0: Hello, and welcome to the Zero Waste Life Hacks podcast. I am your host, Sophia Ratkovich, and I am your co-host, Michelle
1: Sinclair. This is episode six, bags. So excited about this one, Sophia. This
0: is a good one. So for this episode, when we were thinking about which guests we wanted to bring on, right away, I thought of Andy Keller. He has been an outspoken opponent of plastic bags, For over a decade, he's created this character called the Bag Monster, which... um, I've heard you talk about a lot. Yes, my Halloween costume for many years in a row. And this Bag Monster, it's made from 500 plastic bags, which is the number of uh, bags that the average American uses annually. He uses this to raise awareness about environmental impact of disposable bags. And you see him at festivals all the time. He's even gone to the White House. But... um, The cool story about Andy Keller is that in January of 2011, his company was sued by three leading plastic bag manufacturers, accusing him of causing irreparable harm to their business by um, just talking poorly about their products. So Mm. his story is truly one of, like, David and Goliath. Yeah, it's really, like— Well, can I just
1: bring up the bag monster really quick? 500 plastic bags— annually per person was the average. Yep, And I think that really, in my mind, his bag monster concept and putting it all together like that is almost, in my way, I think of him as the leader in the original ban on plastic bags.
0: I do too. And also just, yes, it's like an aggressive tactic, but it's also very creative and it gets I people mean, thinking. I mean, you know you
1: what? Know? When people are like, oh, that's an aggressive. Is it aggressive? This is reality. <laughs> this is... <laughs> The reality of, of your actions. So it, it's if true. it's aggressive, then you got to look at it. It's you. fun. It's also fun. <laughs> well, really quick, before we get into this really interesting interview with Sophia and Andy Keller for this episode, we just have a quick announcement. We have officially launched our Patreon, Patreon page, <laughs> which we're really excited about because you're able to support this episode, Uh, sorry, our whole podcast. By supporting our page, not only do you help in getting more episodes of this podcast made and put into the world, you also become a Zero Waste Life Hacks member. That's right. Your monthly contribution towards your membership gives you exclusive access to content not only posted to our members via Patreon, We will answer some of your pressing zero-waste questions here
0: on the show. So let's get into the first part of the interview where Andy talks about how he developed the Chico bag, the problem with our linear way of producing items, and why we need more B Corps. All right, Michelle, do you know what EPR is? No, I don't. Extended producer responsibility? No, it sounds like, you know,
1: sounds kind of like giving it back to the companies rather than the consumers, maybe.
0: All right, well, let's listen to this interview and learn,
1: yeah,
2: just wanted to first of all say thank you for joining us on the podcast and sharing with us your knowledge, your experience, and um your hopes for the future. <laughs> yeah, of
3: course, happy to be here.
2: Thank you. so, in our case today, we're going to talk specifically about bags, plastic bags, as you know them now, fairly recent in history right it's only like the last 50 (laughs) years that we've been using them but we were able to still function in society without them so what kind of inspired you to just start your business focused on this item that is so part of our lives well it it turned out that
3: it was a perfect confluence of events for me, where I had lost my job, I had just bought a house, so I was super scared because I had a mortgage, but the house needed a bunch of work, so I also had some time to work on it. And long story short, I ended up working on it and bringing a bunch of trash to the landfill, and I dumped it off at the landfill, and then I just kind of stood there and looked. And what what I first noticed was. There's a pot belly stove, like an old, you know, turn-of-the-century version of it, and cast iron. It's beautiful, and it was in a landfill. I'm like, why is that? Being, why is that here? It's so nice. and it could be recycled. And then mm-hmm. I looked up, and then there were plastic bags everywhere, and they're blowing around. Um, it was a windy day, and there's seagulls like flying and pecking at them. And then. The, the the badger actually getting caught in the wind and be, blowing out of the landfill into the adjacent ranch land where the cows were pasturing, And and I realized at that point that I had basically been lied to my whole life uh, or at least told a half-truth if I wanted to be kind about it. Um, the two things that I was told is, one, recycle, and mm-hmm. the other is don't litter. And if I do those two things, you know, it's okay to use plastic and consume as long as you don't litter and you recycle, right? And what I realized at the landfill that day is that, you know, those plastic bags were properly disposed of. They they were in the place where they were supposed to be. Um, you know, if you don't recycle it, you put it in the trash can. And mm-hmm. they were blowing out of the landfill despite proper disposal. And so it wasn't somebody being irresponsible, you know, being a litter bug. It was that the product had a fundamental design flaw, that it could become wind-blown litter despite proper disposal. And, and that was a realization for me. Where I was like, wow, you know, I, ne- I never even thought about how many plastic bags I used, what they were made out of, how long I used them for, and what happened to them at the end of their life. I never thought about any of that, and it just all started becoming super clear to me that I, I didn't wanna use plastic bags anymore. <laughs> Like I didn't want to. I wanted to be part of the solution, and I saw this as a major problem. And it's 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 symbolic of kind of the status quo of business, you know, that we've been doing up until this point. It's changing, but the status quo is linear. And you know, the earth and natural systems are all circular. Oh. Meaning, you know, when a leaf falls off a tree, you know, it it rots and becomes, you know, soil you know, so that a new tree can grow. But plastic, you know, is derived from oil, taken out of the ground, it's used, and then it's put into a landfill, which is essentially a euphemism for a, you know, a encapsulated you know, body of pollution that needs to be managed for eons. And, <laughs> you know, that that's not sustainable. And it's certainly not a good use of resources. And the way that, that we can close that loop, you know, is a complicated question, um, given that where we are, it's this, we're so entrenched in this linear system. So I really want to, you know, look forward to talking about you know, some of the solutions and how we can get out of this linear system.
2: When you mentioned, you know, this use of resources and the fact that bags come from petroleum, I think a lot of people don't think about that fact. Like, they don't understand that plastic comes from petroleum. Like they think plastic is its own thing, you know what I mean? So they don't give it much thought. When you think about petroleum and the dangers of like offshore drilling and all that, we think about the oil needed for the airlines, the oil needed for our cars, the oil needed, you know, for the trucks that carry our food, but not for like the plastic straws or the utensils or the baby toys or, you know, the lining on whatever electronic and like, you know, we don't, make that association with petroleum.
3: You know, it comes back to, you know, what we we're taught in school, there's the 3 Rs, you know, reduce, reuse, you know, recycle. But
2: and that really that, that
3: that whole system is is uh, broken, really. Um recycling has been promoted so heavily by, you know, industry as this solution, you know, consume all you want as long as you put it in your recycle can. Mm -hmm. And it's it's basically a myth, and you know less than it depends on who you ask, but you know somewhere between five and fifteen percent of plastics are actually recycled, and even the ones you put in your recycle bin aren't guaranteed to be recycled because there needs to be a market for the plastic. Uh, And there's a fundamental problem is that virgin plastic and when i mean when i say virgin i mean not recycled made of oil first time around right. it's um it it is so cheap and inexpensive and recycled content you know is is more expensive than virgin in most cases and it shouldn't be like that but it is because there's so many like tax breaks and subsidies and externalized costs yeah. for the extraction of oil and the production of plastic And for recycled content, they don't have the same, you know, support incentives and, you know, financial mechanisms, you know. So one of the solutions essentially is to exercise your citizen muscles and get involved in, you know, asking your legislators to fix this problem. And it's easily fixed, you know, by giving tax breaks and incentives, you know, to producers of products, you know, to use recycled content. And essentially that okay. closes the loop because right now there's no there's no economic model to promote recycling it's It's cheaper to throw it in the landfill a lot of times than it is to find someone to buy it and use it. Basically, there's a thing called externalized costs, and this is a function of kind of the corporate structure. So corporations are designed and they have a mandate to provide a return to shareholders, and really, that's their only responsibility is to create profit for shareholders. True. Um and that's a that and if they do anything other than that, their investors can sue them, you know, the board can fire them. Um and so it's a playing field that is that is basically set up to create friction for doing good. So there's a there's a new type of corporation called a benefit corporation, and there's over thirty mm-hmm. states that recognize um benefit corporations or sometimes people call them B Corps. Yep. And what, it, what a B Corp is is not only do you want to make a profit, but you also want to provide a social benefit, and it's built into your corporate charter so that if you prioritize a social benefit um, and you don't make as much profit, you're still meeting the mandate of your corporate charter. So benefit corporations and you know socially responsible corporations try to include all the costs, all the responsibility of their product you know, including the end of life into the price of the product. So that's called um, extended producer responsibility. So you, when you hear that term, that's what that means. So essentially, you're you're trying to, you know, have extreme ownership, you know, on the whole life cycle of your product from beginning to end, and include all that in the cost. So that at the end of the life, you know, a producer should take back their product or know that it's going to close the loop. And right now you know, the end of life is it ends up in the landfill. And then that's, you know, also paid for by taxpayers and by other people other than the corporation.
2: True, and when you mention EPR, or extended producer responsibility, I think the key word there is social responsibility. And I think that's, you know, you said it perfectly, like that's what every business up until now, or a lot of businesses have been lacking, is that idea that it's just about the profit
3: what what makes me hopeful is you know there's a new generation of people that are you know becoming consumers and spending money that care very much about life on earth and you know we used to say you know save the earth you know but really what we're what we're trying to do essentially is prevent chaos destruction and suffering totally. you know when we talk when we talk about global warming You know, the Earth is going to be here, but in the process of global warming, it's going to create a lot of chaos, destruction, and suffering, um, which is going to impact all of us, you know, and ultimately the economy and our businesses. And we're already seeing it with some of the extreme weather that's happening. So if we really want to, you know, if we really want change in the world, we have to think about our dollars as votes. And every dollar that we have is a vote for what we want. And so you vote by giving your dollars to the companies uh, and the organizations, you know, that you want to see continue. And you don't give your dollars to the organizations that are bad actors or are not part of the solution. So as consumers, we're very powerful and we can choose that. And the other side of the equation is as investors. You know, so if you have money put away into, let's just say, the stock market or into a mutual fund, you can invest that money into um, – into organizations or to indexes that, you know, are for s- social benefit corporations. And, and that sends a clear message uh, to companies as well. So you can, you, can, you can basically create the change you want, you know, from two different angles. And if you do both sure. of those, I mean, certainly, certainly you're going to get their attention if enough of us do it.
1: Yes, 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 yes. That is mind-blowing information that I'm not even thinking about. So basically, we make the companies responsible for where their end product will end up.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just, it's a positive thing, right? Like, we can't solve this plastic crisis by recycling alone. But I think there's a way for companies to look at this on, like, the positive side and developing, like, brand loyalty, right? So, like, the whole way of going back to the milkman and Returning these bottles like Mm. it worked for a long time and there's a way to make it work again with the innovation, the technology and the capabilities for shipping that we have now. So I think it's going to be a more uh, just direct partnership with the consumer for companies. Yeah, it can only be good. (laughs) Uh, I
1: love I love what he's just like given us there. Oh, man.
0: Uh, so, yeah, let's get straight into the next segment of the interview. Can't wait to see what else I'm going to learn. Well, in this next segment, we're going to talk about some of the arguments that some people have against bag bans and really any plastic bag bans, for that matter, and banning bans and <laughs> yeah, that kind of
1: People get so worked up about it.
0: Seriously. So, I mean, how do we change the narrative here? How do we get um, people, consumers on board, right? How do we get them and I quote Andy uh, to close a loop on plastic. So I believe that it's totally about redesigning products and systems and yeah, I mean interesting. Yep. Let's take a listen. So let's talk about you know some of the
3: arguments that come up against bag bans and some of the feelings that people have and um what what I've experienced is the, the kind of two two thoughts I think one is well, it's big government telling me what to do, and and I, I don't like that. And yeah. you know, I understand, I understand that. So that's one argument. Uh, the other argument is, you know, this really isn't an issue. Um, you know, and this is, you know, and I don't have the choice. I should be able to choose. You know, we're, you know, I'm responsible enough to make my own choices. I don't need the government telling me that. You know, so maybe it's okay. the same argument. So. There's a couple couple kind of things to think about you know and and people want a market based solution instead of a ban um, so you know washington d c did a market based solution where they didn't ban single use plastic bags. they charged five cents or ten cents at the register, and you could choose do you want to pay for plastic cool. and they saw a ninety percent reduction in bag use and and what that illustrates is that. When when people are asked if they want a bag, um, typically the answer is no, because a lot of times you carry your item up to the register and you can easily carry it right back out, you know, in your hand, same hand that you carried it up to the register. <laughs> and you don't need a bag, you know, and how many times, mm-hmm. you know, have you, you know, got something and threw the bag away, you know, very shortly after you bought the item because you didn't need it anymore?
2: You mean like right when you walked out of the gas station and throw away <laughs> the, ba- the bag that your bag of chips came in? <laughs> yeah,
3: that I mean, that happens. I've, I've ordered a taco before it came in a plastic bag. I used, the, I used the bag as kind of like a placemat and then threw the whole thing away five minutes later. So the issue that with plastic, you know, what's the big problem? So plastic, once it's created, it actually never goes away. You know, they, they estimate 100 years, 300 years, but not, science really doesn't understand the impact that plastic has in our environment—it doesn't biodegrade. Um, it doesn't become food for another system. It's not circular. It's linear. You know, only if you recycle it, you know, does it become part of a circular system. And even then, there's issues because
2: it's it downgrades.
3: Yeah. It yeah. So, so that's the best case, and I think I mentioned something like fit, less than 15% of plastic is recycled. So, so the issue is, is that we're creating mountains of plastic and it's amazing material you know i'm talking on a plastic phone i'm wearing a plastic jacket basically mm-hmm. um you know got plastic carpet you know it's amazing material it can be it should be used to make amazing products that last a long time and not be okay. made you know into products that are designed to be thrown away you know so it's a bit of a cultural shift and, and that's because you know we don't know what to do with plastic so closing the loop on plastic is super important. And once we close the loop, you know, when there's no leakage, essentially, you know, back into that linear system, um, certainly we could have single-use plastic items. But until then, you know, we really, it's really not responsible, you know, So and unnecessary. So back to the Washington, D.C. example, you know, I, I would estimate 50% of the plastic that you get, you don't even need or want. It's just given to you. You know, think about plastic yeah. bags or the plastic straw that you get in your glass. Or if you get, you know, root beer or diet, you get two straws sometimes. You know, the, mm-hmm. these are all things that happen that if you, you know, in California, they, they passed a law that is people need to ask before they give you a plastic straw. And that, exactly. and that, autom- that automatically reduces consumption, you know, considerably.
2: I think the step that we're at now is a total redesign. And, like, not just redesigning the things that we have been using. So, right, not redesigning the plastic bag at the grocery store to a paper bag or to whatever, but redesigning the system as a whole. And I think that's where the work lies in the next 10 years. But right now, I'm really stoked about all the solutions. And I thank you for taking the initiative to create products like the repeat bag made from recycled plastic fibers.
3: Well, the, as part of our producer responsibility. We have a take-back program for our bags and we actually accept any bag, any reusable bag that someone wants to send us, you know, functional mm-hmm. or not. So we sort them and then the ones that are still have life in them, uh we donate them. So if anybody wants to do a bag giveaway, Or if they want to do, like, you know, a lot of times we'll give it to a a food bank where they'll give out bags instead of in paper and plastic bags and reusable bags, you know, to populations that wouldn't normally um, buy reusable bags. You know, so these are things that we do, and if anybody's interested that's listening that wants to, you know, engage with us on that, and we'd be happy to work with you.
2: Yeah, no, I'd love to put the word out about that. I didn't know you guys did that, but I appreciate that, and I think, again, that's the reason why I love you guys as a brand because you are doing things that I find valuable and I think are important. And I, and I mean, I just I'm grateful. Yeah,
3: you know, I, I think all companies should essentially be responsible for the end of life of their product. I don't think it should be abnormal. You know, it, it should be what's normal. The, the biggest plastic issue that we have is in, you know, in parts of Southeast Asia where they have no recycling, no trash infrastructure, and yeah. you know, we're, we're, people complain, "Oh, it's not the United States that's the problem." It's you know, it's all these other countries that are the problem. Mm-hmm. But the, the trash that's being created in those countries is being sold by multinational companies, many of them located here in the United States. And they're producing and selling these products into these countries, you know, knowing there's no end-of-life solution for, these, for this plastic. You know, and then there's this environmental issue that results in, well, whose responsibility is it? And I, I would argue that it's the producer of the product's responsibility, that they ought to own that end-of-life and do something about it or not produce that product in that way you know, produce it in some other packaging instead if, if there isn't the infrastructure in place.
1: Oh, man. I love that. I love that. Because I think as a consumer, we get so overwhelmed once we start learning about all this stuff that, like, it's stressful. So I think that if we knew that the companies were taking some of this responsibility back, man, it would make us feel so much better as a con- as a consumer or... Maybe what we were getting offered, we wouldn't feel so bad because I feel like we're getting guilt.
0: Yeah, no, I think if anything, you'd feel good about your purchases and would want to support them and be more driven to support the ones that do fall in line with your beliefs. Or, you know, we work so hard for our money. And so this idea that this money that I have to earn and takes me away from being with my family, like, is now gonna harm somebody else. Like, yeah. that notion kind of drives me well,
2: crazy. Well, even,
1: so. well, we're thinking that way. A lot of people don't even think that way. They're just consuming True. and throwing out. And I don't know. I love it. I love it. I love it. think He's giving me things I never even thought about. Well, and, and I love it.
0: Dude, and I really appreciate um, Andy, and I wanna thank him again for just being so outspoken about issues that I know. I care about, you know, my friends, my community care about deeply. So excited about this next part here because Andy goes into depth a little bit more about some hacks that he uses, not just around bags, mm. but just life in general.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and it's always just great to hear different solutions. Like I hadn't really thought about Ooh, some things.
1: I'm excited to yeah. hear. Me too. Let's get into it. Let's do
0: it.
2: So, um, beyond. Bags, but also, I guess, in, re- in reference to bags, what sort of bags specifically do you think we could start to redesign, like, and maybe phase out completely? Like, I was thinking about like, but dry cleaning bags.
3: Yeah, for sure. um What's being banned is a product that has a f- has a fundamental design flaw. Now. It has a design flaw partially because, you know, global warming is one of the biggest threat out there for their, you know, for our way of life. And so the plastic industry has lightweighted plastic bags, meaning they've taken plastic out of it and made it so lightweight that it has a lower carbon footprint. But mm-hmm. in doing so, they've totally ignored the end-of-life story, which is that this plastic never goes away. It blows out of landfills like I saw uh, when I created Chico bag. And when I was at the landfill, and so this is an issue that, yeah, that bag needs to be redesigned. We need to redesign the way we carry groceries home, essentially. Um, so banning that bag makes sense because there's so many alternatives, you know, that aren't banned that are available, you know, for purchase. You know, um, and if you don't want to purchase something, you certainly could just carry stuff out in your own container. Uh-huh. Um, so that you know that that's the start. You know, so from there. Like, there's all kinds of things that need redesign, and, you know, certainly, I think one of the traps people get caught in is, well, I want to replace my single-use item with another single-use item, so why don't we do compostable bags, or why don't we do, you know, plastic made out of corn, or, you know, and so people get caught in these traps where they're thinking about replacing something when really with something else, but really we need to think about just how do we do this differently instead of doing it the same way with something different. So let me give you an example. So in California when we're banning bags, everyone's like, I got cats, I have dogs. I'm gonna have to go buy <laughs> single-use plastic bags to take care of my dog poo. And I need to go buy bags to take care of my cat poo. You know, and then like how does that help? You know, like well, let's let's take a look at this. So you know, is your dog going in your own backyard? And that's the, is that the dog poo you're cleaning up? Like, oh, yeah, you know. Okay, uh-huh. well, I think about all the, well, first of all, if you got a pooper scooper, you know, uh-huh. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't actually need to use plastic <laughs> bags. Um, and, you know, a lot of people just dig a hole and put a lid on it and, you know, use the pooper scooper. And once the hole's filled up, they cover it up, and, you know, and, and that that's the, you know, true recycling. That's the rot side. Um, You know, it doesn't go to the landfill and, you know, you're being sustainable. So the the other option is, well, what am I going to line my trash cans with? You know, I'm going to have to buy trash can liners. Oh, okay. Well, what if you didn't line your trash can? Like, you have a plastic trash can, you know, what happens if you don't line it? You know, well, I would say 80% of the time people can do it. You know, I think there's examples where, well, I live in apartment buildings, multi story, we have to bag everything. You know, but most people don't need to line their trash can. And, you know, but you have have to kind of take that leap of faith and try it out. You know, so I started with, you know, the trash can in my, in my, you know, home office. It was just full of paper. You know, and then the one in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Well, it's mostly just tissue paper and toilet paper and stuff. You know, okay, that's easy. You know, the the final frontier was the one in the kitchen. You know, so I've I've gotten to the point where I ran out of can liners, you know, for the kitchen, and I I haven't bought them since. And so, you know, I just dump my my trash into the the roller bin that goes out to the curb, and I don't use any plastic bags. You know, does it get, you know, messy sometimes? Yeah. But, you know, I hose it out with the hose, and I I dump it on the flowers, and, you know, it actually seems to fertilize them pretty well. So, you know, it works for me. It's not for everybody. But, you know... It's it's progress over perfection, really. You know, you don't have to kick every single absolutely. single use plastic item out of your life. But if you're aware that you can say no wherever possible, it has a huge impact if we all did that.
2: I mean, absolutely. And I think um you and I are I know we're definitely on the same page. <laughs> definitely on the same frequency.
3: For sure. You know, like tortilla bags and bread bags, you know, are my go to and you know, the liners for cereal boxes you know whenever I need a bag you know I have plenty of those and and what I do is I have a little spot where I keep all those types of bags so they're handy and I have them when when I need them I mean if you if you if you you keep the bags that enter your house you know just by grocery shopping you know you should have plenty of bags you know anytime you buy any kind of electronics it all comes wrapped in a bag you know everything you buy at some point was in a plastic bag at
2: some point Really quick, I want to ask you, have you ever been to the uh, plastic convention, Plastic West, Plastic East? Plastic East? So it's like, instead of an I, it's an E. It's geared towards um, plastic manufacturers. A lot of it is like pharmaceuticals, but they also have like... Uh, I
3: I have been to some, you know, I I have been embedded. I've gone to some plastic conferences, You know, just to see what they were like. And it's been interesting. Um, Like a
2: vegan at a slaughterhouse type of thing. Kind of, yeah.
3: It it is very fascinating um, just hearing people talk. And what I've learned, what I've learned is there's good people at bad companies. And part of the issue is that there's, there's the playing field that I mentioned is set up to incentivize bad behavior. Yeah. And so these good people are trying their hardest to change the culture and the way a company operates. But, you know, the playing field's not right. You know, so, again, the the, the biggest thing you can do essentially is is speak with your dollars or vote with your dollars, you know, by, you know, and, and the best thing is send a letter with it, you know, right write to the company via email or Twitter or, you know, Facebook or what have you and tell them how you feel and why you're not supporting them or what they would need to do in order to be supported by you. And, and if they get enough of that, certainly they will change. And that's on the consumer side and then on the investor side, you know, that's that's very powerful as well. You know, one idea is if anyone's listening and, you know, and they have a retirement plan, either through their company um, and there isn't an option to invest in social responsible companies or indexes, ask your HR person. Say, hey... Have you guys considered adding in social responsibility companies into our portfolio so we can have that as an option to invest in with our 401K? Um, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, so if enough people do that, ask HR, hey, we want to have that option, they're going to add it. And then if if more people put their money into those companies, that's less money going into the bad actors.
2: Any other hacks, Andy, you think you could share? You know, bringing your own bag is one easy one, but you mentioned your well, chip bags. And-
3: so a lot of people forget their bags at home or in the car. And, you know, a way to remember that is, you know, hook your bag onto – or put your put your bags on your doorknob. You know, keep them in your car. Um, mm. Of course, the bags I make have a carabiner, so you can clip them on your keychain so that you don't forget them, or you can keep them in a the pocket or purse. Mm-hmm. Um and, and that was really the design intention behind all the products we make is to really make them un- unforgettable so that you can adopt a reusable habit. because um, changing habits. Yeah, I mean changing changing habits is hard, so you you need all the help you can. Um let's say you end up at a store and you forgot your bags. Uh okay. your bags are in the let's say your bags are in your car. So just check out and put the stuff back in your in your shopping cart, roll your shopping cart out to your car, and then bag your groceries at your car instead of at the register. So that, that's in the bagging world. So utensils, um, you know, bring your own utensils with you um, so that when you go out to lunch, instead of... You know, taking the plastic utensils, you have, you have your own. And, you know, of course, it's a bit of a plug for my product to go where, uh, utensil sets. Um, I mean, they're designed to go with you, um, so that you can say no to single-use plastic, uh, utensils. You know, when you order something at a restaurant, uh, just say, I'd like, uh, when you say, I'd like a water with no straw. You know, just make that part of your ordering process. And then I'd say 75% of the time you get your water with no straw. And then let's say someone gives you a straw even when you asked for no straw. I, if, if you want bonus points, you say, oh, you know, I didn't want a straw and give it back to them. So even though you know they're going to throw it away, it, it helps train them that next time they probably will, you know, think twice about it.
2: What's <laughs> your plug with, um, with to go where? I, I think you need to plug that in one more time for this recording because that product has changed my life. And I remember being at Coachella one year and I didn't have my to go wear and I ate um, a really messy taco like, with my hands. And I was like, <laughs> it was like the worst thing for me to not have that and to see everybody else eating with the plastic fork. And then I eventually just used my friend's fork. But it was like the idea that like, no, I am not going back. I will not give any kind of plastic fork. So um.
3: That's a good idea. You know, sharing a fork is, is a great idea. Um, so the to-go wear, or um, kind of the signature product for to-go wear is this uh, bamboo utensil set. So it's a fork, knife, spoon, and chopsticks, all made of bamboo, which is a um, highly sustainable material because it grows like a weed, literally doesn't need any fertilizer or pesticides and and it, and it regenerates so once you cut one down another one grows up um, so it's it has a little carrying case and it has a carabiner on it so you can clip it onto a purse or you keep it in your pocket and you take it with you and when you need uh, utensils you have them um, it also can fit a straw so if you're a reasonable straw user you can put your straw in there and so you have everything you need um, the to-go where line has, uh, lunch boxes too. So we have stainless steel lunch boxes, which is really popular with, um, uh, the vegan crowd. So if you like to have, like, uh, say quinoa and, uh, baby kale and, you know, you like to, you know, have a cold lunch, um, it's great for that. They're made of stainless steel, you know, so you can't microwave them or anything like that. So that's good for a lot of people because they don't want to microwave anyways. Um, so, and then you can carry your lunch with you, um. Eat more healthy, save money, and save the environment at the same time.
2: Those tippins are amazing. I love them, and always um, makes it easy to take stuff to go as well. So if I go to a restaurant, if I have I have like one that's a little the snack pack, but it's it's like the top part of one, and so that's usually what I get my my stuff to go in when I go to a restaurant. I just put it in there and um, go straight into the fridge. So. Thank you for yeah, a, creating all these Yeah,
3: that's products. a great way to do it. That's another hack is, you know, bringing your own containers um, to get food. Mm-hmm. I do that a lot. Um, go out to lunch, I'll bring a container and get my lunch in my own container. And right now it usually works about 50% of the time, usually with uh, smaller chain restaurants or independently owned places. Yeah, so <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And that's another playing field issue, the health department and people's fear of, health department regulations, uh, there's something that needs to happen there. I'm not sure what because it's all local county um, rules, but something certainly needs to happen with the health department and reusable products.
2: Yeah, that's its own other very lengthy episode, but I did see a video recently put up by the National Restaurant Association, and they clarified that as long as their serving equipment does not touch yours, there is no reason why they cannot use somebody else's uh, container. So it would come down to individual bias, I would say. But yeah, that was on the Restaurant Association website. So Great.
3: Great. Good to hear.
2: Wow. There's
1: some really good takeaways there. Things that I hadn't even considered or thought about.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I want to take it back or just mention again, Andy's legal battle against the plastic bag manufacturers because it's really like an inspirational story. Like he, it was a kind of a lengthy process, expensive, energy draining, I'm assuming, in many ways. But it's just kind of a reminder of how much power we have as individuals, right? Like just like one person and the many changes that we can make. So. I just continue to be inspired by the many creative ways in which people are sharing information nowadays like it doesn't just have to be these alarming sad pictures like we can motivate each other with art and just creative expression just to start questioning things like the status quo so um I encourage you all to you know put on your thinking caps and let's see what other fun and new ways we can come up with to just share solutions out there not just promote the problem but to share the solution so
1: yeah I mean we're doing it right now through this podcast even true we are I mean just from listening to your interview with him and hearing some of these points I'm already thinking about things like hmm (laughs) do I need a trash bag Uh or how do I make that giant trash bag liner in my kitchen smaller like you do you throw away a little trash bag that's like he says he keeps all those plastic bags from Mm -hmm. bread or whatever
0: cereal bags cereal
1: bags and then that's like his trash bag yeah you guys get it down to that amount what like okay that's you just squish
0: the other plastics Mm -hmm. really really tight (laughs) just tight ball and stuff that back and then get everything else to try to
1: yeah um that's awesome. I might have to re-listen to that segment again because you guys had some some good points there. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sophia. Well,
2: Andy, thank you so much. I know your time is very valuable and I wish I could have met you in person, but that will be in the future, I'm sure. And um, thank you again for your time and for just leading the way in so many ways and beyond the products that you have created. It's more, you know, I really admire your activism and your um, paying so much attention to something that is so, you know, it seems trivial, but really it has inspired a movement on, I think globally at this point, you know, like we're making progress and I think that you're one of those leaders and I'm really happy to have connected with you and have you as a sponsor of the Dear Waste Life podcast. <laughs> thank well, thank you. you as
3: well. That makes me happy to hear, and I I appreciate that and appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and, you know, for people to hear what I have to say. So thank you.
2: All right,
0: well, that concludes our interview with the ever-inspiring Andy Keller, founder of Chico Bags, um, but forever, a.k.a. the bag monster. <laughs> so Thank you, Andy, for talking with me. We'd
1: also like to thank you, a big thank you to our sponsors, Etty and Chico Bags, for helping the community grow and making products that help
0: our zero-waste life hackers. So we would also really like to thank our Patreon backers who have helped make this podcast possible. By backing monthly, you have become a member of the podcast and receive exclusive content. And to find out how to back and what cool gifts we have for our supporters, visit patreon.com forward slash zero waste life hacks. And of course, thank you to our listeners.
1: We do this for you. So please follow and join in on our hashtag we've created zero waste
0: life hacker and share your life hacks. Mm-hmm. Share them there. And thank you for listening. So to find out more about this podcast, visit my website, www.zerowasteco.com.